Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yoganmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to yogainmyschool.com on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Donna Freeman. I'm the host of the show and the founder of Yoga in My School. And we have an extraordinary show for you today. It's entitled Prison Yoga Project with James Fox. And I really am honored that uh, James would take uh, time out of his very busy schedule um, to join us today. He has definitely uh, changed the lives of many, many individuals through his his tireless work. And we will be getting to an in-depth discussion about that in just a moment. But before we do that, I do want to bring your attention to a brand new ebook we have out with Yoga in My School. It is uh, the Thanksgiving Kids and Teens Yoga Class book. And in this book, you will be able to find all kinds of discussion topics, um, mindfulness techniques, yoga poses uh, with routines specifically for elementary school and preschoolers, as well as heart openers and detox uh, poses for teens, uh, a music playlist, coloring pages, flashcards, all, everything that you need for uh, a Thanksgiving-themed yoga class. And the thing that I love best about a Thanksgiving-themed yoga class is it can be used not only at Thanksgiving, um, which we celebrate in Canada in October and in America in November, but you can also use this theme throughout the year, and so it's extremely useful, and uh, teaching children to live with gratitude, I think, is an extremely valuable skill. Now, on to our guest, James. James, are you there? Yes, good morning. How well, are you, welcome Donna? to the show. Thank you. Now, you've been practicing yoga for a lot longer than the Prison Yoga Project has been going on. Can you tell us, before we get into, uh, into that part of your work, a little bit about your personal yoga journal? Sure. Your, your yoga journey, sorry. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, well, um, I actually started practicing um, yoga as a result of, uh, of an injury that I had. Uh, it was a time in my life when I was very athletic, um, I'm still athletic, but not as athletic as I was then, and I had injured my back and some friends of mine suggested to me that I might want to go to a yoga class. So I started going to um, yoga classes, and I rather quickly realized how in alignment 
uh, yoga class was with my meditation practice, which um, I had al- already been engaged in mindfulness meditation practice or vipassana meditation. And I could see that um, at first when I started doing yoga, um, I had thought it was mostly a physical practice, but in a very short period of time, I realized that uh, it was really meditation in motion that I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. So um, I got hooked, and this was in the late 1980s in the San Francisco Bay Area. And for the first several years of my practice, um, I practiced Iyengar yoga with a variety of different teachers uh, in the Bay Area. And then um, in the 1990s, I started traveling to Boulder, Colorado, rather regularly, and uh, was introduced to Ashtanga yoga there um, through uh, Richard Freeman and a number of Richard Freeman's teachers in Boulder. Um, And then uh, what happened was uh, when I started doing my teacher studies, I started studying with Eric Schiffman, who, interestingly enough, uh, to me at least at that time, represented a a marriage of Ashtanga and Iyengar. And um, so I was influenced by him and his teachings. And then later on, um, I studied with a man whose name is Joe Perriera, and uh, he's actually a Catholic priest who has a foundation in India called the Kripa Foundation. And he's a senior Iyengar teacher, and the Kripa Foundation is a foundation that has centers all over India where they are uh, treating people with addictions and HIV-positive people with yoga and uh, meditative prayer. So the Kripa Foundation has been around for quite a while, and uh, Father Joe very rarely travels to the United States. I did seminars, I did retreats with him in Canada. And then um, I would say more recently, in the last five to ten years, I've done quite a bit of work with uh, Sarah Powers, um, who's also very much influenced by her mindfulness practice. So that kind of brings us up to date. Um, I, I would, if you were to ask me, well, what specific style do you practice? I would say the core of my practice is mindfulness, mm-hmm. and I combine a lot of different disciplines from my studies and my experience over the years. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Now it's one thing to get into yoga with back pain and and take a lot of training and do that kind of thing. It's a totally different thing to go into San Quentin prison and teach yoga. Mm-hmm. How how did that come about? Well, it was a very organic process. Um, it started out when I became certified as a teacher um, around 2000. I realized that I really didn't want to teach in a yoga studio. I was very much interested in reaching populations that uh, would otherwise not be exposed to yoga. And I live in a small town um, north of San Francisco. And in that town, there was a residential uh, rehabilitation facility for boys at risk. And these were boys ages 12 to 18 
who many of whom had been court mandated into this program. <clears throat> um, most of them came from abusive or ne neglectful backgrounds. And so I decided to um, begin by going to this facility. The name of the facility was Full Circle in the San Francisco Bay Area and to offer uh, yoga classes to the boys. And when I first did that, the director of the program said to me, now how long are you uh, proposing to do these classes? And I said, well, I would think half an hour to 45 minutes to begin with. And she started to laugh, and she said, what makes you think that you can keep their attention for a <laughs> half an hour? We can't keep their attention for more than five minutes. And I said, well, that's exactly why I'd like to teach them yoga. So um, I taught there for five years until the facility closed uh, due to lack of funding from uh, from the state of California. And shortly after I started teaching, I'd say within a year of teaching at Full Circle, I was invited by a nonprofit organization that was doing work in Bay Area juvenile halls to introduce um, yoga practice in juvenile halls. And so I began doing that. And then I would say within six months of doing that, I was contacted by a nonprofit organization called the Insight Prison Project that was setting up a multidisciplinary program at San Quentin. This would have been in 2002. And they asked me if I would set up the yoga meditation program for them at San Quentin. So mm -hmm. one thing led to the next, led to the next. And really, I was not promoting myself. I was just um, following my intuition, and it was uh, very much of an organic process. That's It's interesting t sometimes how life just works that way. One step, and then the next, and it leads to the next. Yeah, I think it's always a good sign that one is on the right track when that happens. And um, I was also very fortunate that um, from the time I started teaching in juvenile hall and um, beginning in teaching in prison um, at San Quentin, I was supported by a nonprofit. So um, I've been paid for teaching. Um, I haven't been paid a lot, but at least I've been paid to uh, mm -hmm. to be teaching to uh, my students. Yes, well, that always helps. It allows you to continue with your work. Yes, exactly. So kind of the big question I have, at least, um, how is a prison yoga class mm -hmm. different yeah. from and how is it the same as a regular yoga class you'd find at a at a studio or a fitness center. Yeah, that's a that's a very good question, and uh, and um, of course I still um, I do teach a public class, and um, I do go to public classes. I like to keep myself sharp, and I like to see what's going on. And of course, the Bay Area is a great place to sample different kinds of yoga classes. Well, first I would say that the focus of a prison yoga class is uh, more on the emotional and psychological benefits of yoga than the physical benefits. And that's not to say that the asana practice isn't important, but the focus has to be on the emotional and the psychological benefits. Because one, as a yoga teacher, one is being given the opportunity to impact a person's lives. 
So particularly when you're dealing, and I, I learned this pretty early on, uh, and this is true of both uh, youth and adults, the two common denominators among uh, people who are incarcerated, be them youth or adults, uh, are violence and addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could basically look at the population and you could say, well, uh, a person is here for either one of those two issues or a combination of those two issues. So if I have the opportunity to teach this ancient practice to these people, how can I impact the negative behavioral patterns that they've taken on over their lives that has brought them into this situation, into this circumstance? So um, then the focus has to be on um, the psychological and the emotional issues. And how can I relate the asana practice, the pranayama practice, the dhyana practice, the meditation practice to the issues that uh, my students have? Mm -hmm. And it's typical. I I think some of the figures are that 80% of the people in prison have some kind of addiction issue. Um, So... um, that, that that would be the fundamental um, difference that I would say. And the similarity would be that if you were to film one of my yoga classes in prison, but that there was no audio, that you wouldn't be able to hear what was being spoken about, it would look very much like a yoga class that would be in a yoga studio. Um, with the difference of there would be focused periods of meditation at the beginning and at the end of the classes. So before I ever begin my asana practice, we sit in meditation for at least five minutes before we actually begin the practice. And at the end of the practice, after shavasana, um, we do the same. We sit in meditation. We close in meditation. So there's this opening and closing where we come full circle back to what is the original intention of our practicing together. And the original intention of our practicing together is to develop mindfulness, is to develop a conscious awareness of our moment-to-moment experience, our moment-to-moment mental, emotional, and physical experience of being with ourselves. Um. That it sounds very, very peaceful, and I would think that in um, the environment of of a prison and incarceration, that that would be a moment that they would long to have. Yeah, it's very important. I oftentimes, when I begin my class, and I, I um, mention to the guys, okay, this is an opportunity for you to leave prison behind, and. Um, I'm leaving my life behind to join with you. We're we're actually moving into um, an altered reality. We're leaving space and time behind when we come together to do this practice together. And I, I've had a number of students over the years say, you know, when you say that leaving prison behind, that's always really meant a lot to me because we really do have the opportunity to do that. 
So getting back to the the violence and addiction issues that many of these inmates are facing, how can yoga help with the addiction, the violence, and the impulse control? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think you hit it. Uh, it. It's it really is impulse control. It's um, well. Let me backtrack a little bit. <clears throat> Going back to um, the importance of focusing on yoga as a mindfulness practice. <clears throat> and again, um, I will define mindfulness for um, anybody who's not aware of the term, although most of the listeners may be aware of the term. Mindfulness is having a moment-to-moment experience of what's going on without the mind evaluating the experience or interpreting what's going on, but really witnessing moment-to-moment what's going on. So it has a great deal to do with developing the capacity to witness, to simply observe the breath, to observe thoughts as they arise, to observe sensations in the body. So when you're working with people with addictions or issues of violence, which pretty much includes the whole population, not just in prison, but the entire yeah. population. You're First of all, you're slowing things down. <clears throat> um, you're giving people the opportunity to get out of, and of course, mindfulness requires disengaging from preoccupation with thinking and thoughts and being able to use the brain in a different way to focus on what's occurring in the moment. And in so doing, time slows down, and one is able to more clearly see, oh, this is the moment where I'm reacting. This is the moment where I'd rather drift off in thoughts. I'd rather think about the future. This is uncomfortable. And so it's bringing into a certain clarity the kinds of impulses that lead to reactive behavior. So I am very upfront in my teaching and when I'm talking about this is how your yoga practice can help you deal with addictions because what really is going on is that when you choose to use a drug or alcohol, is because you really don't want to experience what's going on in the moment. You don't really want to have to deal with the unpleasant feelings that arise or the potential pain that you might feel as a result of experiencing the feelings that arise. And so what happens is you leave the moment and you say, oh, forget it. Give me a drug. Give me a drink. Give me something. And largely because very few of us have been taught how to deal with the pain in our lives. We haven't been guided into how we can deal with the pain in our lives as it arises, how we can develop the resiliency, the ability to basically sit. We call it sitting in the fire, being able to sit in the fire without having to react without having to leave the moment. So, um, I mean, this is sort of, uh, 
you know, we can talk about driving a car, and this, but this is actually driving the car. We can talk about riding a bicycle. This is actually riding the bicycle. Um, and then a yoga practice, of course, gives us many opportunities, particularly in the asana practice, to deal with the discomfort as it arises, to be aware of the discomfort, where it is in our bodies, where it arises in the mind, and to stay with it, to find our breath, to be able to breathe through it. So it's a very, very practical practice for dealing with these core issues, because these are the core issues that lead to addiction or lead to violence. So it's the same, and and this really is impulse control. This is Mm -hmm. self-control or this is impulse control that's accomplished through the process of mindfulness. Now, of course, it doesn't happen overnight. This is something like the, I, I have students who will say to me, "Well, you know, when when will when will when will I get this?" And I'll remind them that just as it is for me, for you, it will be a lifelong process. It will it will become easier the more you practice, but it's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process of staying mindful. Mm-hmm. It definitely is a lifelong process, wherever yeah. we are. Now, as uh, uh, as you've done this work, there have been uh, some critics who have said that prisoners don't deserve yoga. And how do you respond to that mm-hmm. type of a statement? Yeah. Well, 80% of the two and a quarter million people who are in prison in the United States... And by the way, two and a quarter million people imprisoned in the United States means one in a hundred adults wow. are imprisoned in the United States. Those are scary when, stats. Well, yeah, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, because if you look at uh, the people who are under some kind of um, jurisdiction, so that would mean either in prison or on parole or on probation, it's 7.3 million or one in 31 U.S. adults. So, when you look at that, I would ask those people, what kind of person do you want returning to society? Because if it's one in 31 adults who are under some kind of jurisdiction, under some kind of supervision, you're going to run into those people in the grocery store, Mm -hmm. um, in uh, restaurants, uh, at the park, when you're driving out on the highway, what kind of person do you want that person to be? Do you want that person to come out of prison like most people come out of prison without the life skills, um, without being prepared emotionally and psychologically to reintegrate into society? Or do you want to give them practical tools that they can carry with them once they're out that can help them with their emotional and their psychological issues. So if yoga is taught the way that I'm teaching it and the way that I train yoga teachers to teach um, people who are either in prison or in rehabilitation facilities, then they're being exposed to this kind of uh, preparation 
and skill to deal with the kind of knee-jerk reactions that they have on a daily basis to issues that arise in their lives. So that that's, that would be my fundamental response to why yoga for prisoners. And the other thing is that if if yoga is is taught properly to prisoners, it's not a walk in the park. Mm-hmm. It's it's very difficult for people who have really not learned a whole lot about self-discipline in their lives to be involved in a practice that really requires a tremendous amount of self-discipline. So that would be my that that would be my response. Mhm. This isn't a perk. This is hard work. Yeah, this is exactly. It's hard work. It it's definitely hard work and it's also purifying and it's cleansing work and requiring a lot of self-discipline. Fabulous. Now I know you spend a lot of time touring the country offering uh training um for others who want to take yoga to at-risk populations. Do you have any words of advice for those who who want to follow in your footsteps, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm um I don't really like to give advice, but if someone if someone were really um interested in doing this kind of work, um my first suggestion and urging would be to do your own personal work. If you're going to be dealing with people who have major addiction and violence issues and other kinds of psychological and emotional issues, um, I think it's really important that you fully engage in doing your own work, a meaning <clears throat> doing your own work to really look at, you know, you may not be addicted to drugs or you may not be addicted to alcohol, but maybe you're addicted to shopping or maybe you're addicted to to something else. Um, and if you're going to teach to this population, I think it's really important to do your own personal work. And the other thing is that um, I would say to prepare to have a great deal of patience and perseverance because <clears throat> it's not like you are um, welcomed with open arms by the <laughs> Uh, by the various institutions that you yeah. would be going into. Um, you're actually kind of looked at as, because there's this perception of yoga as being this kind of cushy um, mm-hmm. practice, which anybody who's engaged in yoga knows it's not. But there's this perception because of the media, because it always shows you know, handsome, pretty people who are doing yoga and nice yoga outfits um doesn't really get into the nitty gritty of the practice. So yeah, expect um expect obstacles and um expect um to not be welcomed with open arms. So it really takes uh um a steadfast commitment to believe in what it is that you're doing and um to be doing your own work in the meantime. Fabulous. Well, I know that your book is extremely popular and that you're coming well, out with a new edition. Be, I think it's popular among prisoners. I'm not sure about well, the public. Well, <laughs> for, 
for the population, I I think it's extremely valuable. And I, I've read some of the letters that they're on the on your website, uh, prisonyoga.com, mm-hmm. and just so powerful to see that. And the photography is um, is heart wrenching. As you uh, and I uh, I appreciate the uh, the hard work that's gone into everything that you do. Oh, thank you, Donna. Thank you very much. But I would like to encourage anyone who's listening to visit uh, prisonyoga.com and to uh, to make a donation to buy a book for a prisoner and uh, and to spread the the wonderful work that James has started here. And uh, and they can also get in touch with you. You guys are on Facebook. We are yes, Prison Yoga Project on Facebook. And as well on Twitter, at Prison Yoga. So there's a couple of different social media places that people can go and support your work and uh, and and uh, continue the essential uh, physical, mental, and emotional healing that can happen. Yeah, I think the last thing that I would like to say to all the yogis and yoginis, um, or people who might not even be involved in yoga, but everybody has a rare gift to offer. And the joy of giving back, the personal reward of giving back is so great that I just encourage, um, be you a yoga practitioner or um, a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, whatever, find a way to give back because um, it's so life-affirming and it's so supportive. So that, that would be my last words of encouragement. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate uh, your time today, and best of luck with the uh, with the Prison Yoga Project. Yeah, thank you, Donna. Thank you for this opportunity. You've been listening to the Prison Yoga Project with James Fox here on yogainmyschool.com on Blog Talk Radio. We are thrilled to be able to bring to you experts in the community of yoga and mindfulness. And we'll continue to do this, um, bringing you interviews, in-depth interviews, uh, a couple of times a month as well. We have upcoming the Reflections 2011 series, which will host a number of uh, fabulous organizations and individuals in December. We encourage you to check out our uh, our entire extensive library of interviews on iTunes. You can download them there as well. We want to have a big shout-out to Elephant Journal for hosting our interviews on their platform. And go check out Elephant Journal for uh, there's always lively uh, conversations happening there. And uh, and once again, share the joy of Thanksgiving with uh, children and teens that you know. Grab yourself a copy of the Thanksgiving Kids and Teens Yoga class. Hoping that you have a wonderful day and uh, a beautiful fall. Um, all the best. Namaste. <laughs>